The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Thanks very much, Carl. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I am Dominic Chu in for Scott Wapner today. We've got a meta meltdown. Shares of the social media giant tanking on weak earnings and guidance as well. Is this as good as it gets for that stock? Or is this a golden buying opportunity? And what does it mean for tech valuation and growth metrics overall? Plus, as Carl just alluded to, Amazon earnings after the closing bell today. Will it deliver for investors? Could it be more Google-like or more Meta-like? We'll debate all of that with our investment committee today. You know them, Jenny Harrington, Degas Wright, Josh Brown, and John Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's get a quick check on what's happening with the markets at this hour. As you can see, they're very much in the red. The tech comeback grinding to a halt with the major averages down across the board. Now, you can see just about 295-point losses for the Dow Industrials. The S&P is down by roughly 71 points and a 358-point loss for the Nasdaq Composite. That's a 2.5% decline as well. Meta is by far the biggest drag on the Nasdaq 100 and the S&P 500 indices. That stock is right now on pace for its worst day ever. The S&P 500, Dow, NASDAQ, as a result, moving lower, sentiment shifting all over the place. And by the way, we want to call your attention to what's happening with the 10-year Treasury note yield as well. We're seeing some movement there. Right now, yields are moving, at least you can see there, slightly, slightly lower there. 1.81% bond prices, rather, yields ticking higher. 1.83% the last trade for 10-year benchmark U.S. Treasury notes. Let's go to our investment committee because there uh, there are a lot of things to digest, a lot of cross currents to go through. And maybe, Josh, we'll start with you. This is an interest rate story. This is a tech valuation story. This is a microeconomic story with regard to certain companies that have a lot of weight in the indices not doing as well. What's the predominant theme that you think is driving the action so far today? I think you're right, Dom, that a lot of the uh, volatility began as uh, an interest rate concern and the valuations of these stocks and the cash flows being so far out into the future in the case of uh, some of the high flyers during the pandemic, now all of a sudden uh, making them less attractive uh, to, to investors. But I think the thing to keep in mind is a lot of the problems with Facebook are very idiosyncratic to Facebook itself and some of their other apps. So one really good example of that is the challenges they face navigating the new iOS uh, privacy stuff. But I think a bigger problem here, and the reason I'm not racing to buy this stock down 25%, is you really have to bet that Mark Zuckerberg can build a brand new business from scratch the way that he once did with Facebook. So he didn't build Instagram, he didn't build WhatsApp, he built Facebook. Can he build another one? Because that's what this metaverse thing really requires. Now, he has the cash flows, he has the, the foundation, 
um, to invest a lot of money. But can he catch lightning in a bottle a second time? They're talking about losses uh, for Reality Labs and all of the meta stuff going out 10, maybe even 15 years. So do we want to make that bet that he can do that? Because the core Facebook business right now is not in great shape. It's a huge business, but they're facing all sorts of challenges. And the growth rate that they're talking about, 3 to 11%, like that's not going to work uh, for the investor base in this stock. So it's a tough situation. I'm not saying I would never buy it. I'm just not a buyer here. Uh, I don't know that I want to make that bet that he can do the same thing twice. Very few people, like Steve Jobs did that. Very few people have really been able to do that twice. I mean, Metaverse is like Farmville on steroids, so maybe there is a foundational aspect there. Jenny, Josh brings up a great point. you got to kind of build this thing, but you, you really can't do it without making the investments. We, we kind of found out that the, they, they lost Meta Platforms $10 billion last year on the Metaverse initiatives. But again, you got to invest something to make some money down the line. But there's also this pivot of Facebook and meta platforms overall on its Facebook side of things towards some of the more video-oriented content. That's the Instagram Reel side of the business that puts them very much in a more competitive environment with TikTok and with YouTube, owned by Alphabet, by the way, right? So is how much of this story and the downdraft today is about whether or not those investments and the chips being placed are right for investors at these current price levels? I don't really think it's about that. I think it's about the fact that we've had a lot of companies in the overall stock market that haven't been just priced for perfection, but they've been priced well past perfection. Now, look, Facebook wasn't terribly expensive going into this. You know we own it. I think a week or two ago when I was on, I was saying, yeah, we own this, and it's the only fang we own because it trades at 23 times, and we think it has high teens to low 20s percent earnings growth. But I don't think this down 25% move that we've seen in this or Netflix or PayPal, it's not really about the specific message that the company is giving right now. I think it's a broader statement in the market that's saying like, no, you need to deliver us not just perfection, but you need to deliver us 20 times better than perfection. And I'm saying 20 times just metaphorically, like something way better than we ever hoped for. Josh said um, that you need to believe that Mark Zuckerberg's going to rebuild this from scratch or start again. I don't think that's true. This is a huge free cash flow company. And where we stand right now is on current earnings of the current businesses. It's trading at about 15 times next year's earnings, 17 times the year after that. We know that the revenues as they exist today, right, we're not starting over with revenues. As they exist today, revenues should grow in the high teens percentile. I'm not exactly sure what earnings will grow at going forward. It'll clearly be lower than what I was expecting them to be a couple weeks ago. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily a rebuilding story. I think we need Jenny, to remember user that growth the is core negative. of this business. Okay, I think we need to remember that the core of this business is very, very profitable and very um, and very robust. And Josh, like you can say user growth is negative, but we know that's going to toggle. And we also know that we were in a disproportionately high technology kind of driven time in the pandemic where everybody, right, like everybody was using video games and Netflix and Zoom and Venmo and every digital thing more than they do in real life. So here we are returning to real life. We're all going to concerts instead of playing on Facebook. We're all going on a cruise rather than I don't know, playing some video game, right? So we're just getting sure. into a more normal life. I don't know if you, negative user growth sustains forever or not. Probably it doesn't. Really? Probably Jenny, it doesn't. just really quickly. So where we are is, I was just going to say, I, but can you okay. just tell us what you're doing with the position? Are you holding it? Are you yeah. going to add more to it? Are you we're, selling it? 
we're holding it. So we initiated this position in 2016 at about $116 a share. Due to prudent portfolio management, we have trimmed it a little bit here and there over the years. We have a two and change percent position in the, in the discipline growth strategy, and we are holding it. We are not adding to it, but it's one of those things, I think when you say you're holding, it's kind of the same as saying you're buying, right? Because either you're selling or you're buying, but holding to me is really equivalent to buying. So no, I'm not adding, but if I didn't have it, you know, maybe it would be the time to add. All right. So, so Degas, you know, it, it, Jenny brings up an interesting point. She said that, it, you know, many of these stocks are priced not just for perfection, but way past perfection. I wonder what that then means for a company, say, like Meta Platforms or with PayPal versus what Google slash Alphabet just reported over the course of the last couple of days. Alphabet apparently was priced not enough for perfection. It goes up on its earnings. We, we see Facebook going down. We see PayPal going down. H- how exactly then do you handicap the trade? And, and is Meta being measured using the right metrics right now? Well, one of the things that I see is that, to Jenny's point, if you miss expectations, you will be ha- you have downward pressure. And that's the first thing we see with Meta. But there's also some underlying issues with Meta. Meta gets about 96% of their revenues from ads. The other fangs have more varied uh, business models. So we have to then look at the business model. And so the business model for Meta is going to be challenged. Right now, they're getting monetizing uh, against Instagram. They have like 3 billion users of Instagram, and they have about 3 million advertisers on that. So Instagram is starting to monetize. However, there's a challenge with monetizing WhatsApp app and also Messenger. So there's going to be a challenge around how can they monetize this going forward. And then the whole thing about the metaverse. The metaverse, as we talked about, is is really losing investments. You said 10 to 15 years. This will be a problem because right now people really haven't figured out what the metaverse is all about. Is it going to be focused only on gaming? Is it going to be focused on fitness, having meetings? So there's a lot of questions around the business model of Facebook. And so I think that's part of it also. And that's why we saw such a sharp pullback in this price. All right, Dekas, really quickly, would you be buying it right here? Okay, so we are holders of Facebook, and it's about a 2% position in our portfolio. And so we are holders, similar to Jenny. We're holding it right now. We would not be putting more uh, capital to, to work in this, com- in this name. All right, so it hasn't gotten cheap enough for holders to add to positions. We'll see what happens here. Let's bring in, by the way, right now, another committee member, Stephanie Link. Yes, we have Stephanie. She recently sold Alphabet, bought more Meta. Stephanie, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I am. You, you got hit on the way going in. You got hit on the way going out. What exactly are your feelings right now, given the call that you made selling Alphabet, buying Meta? It, it, it's got to hurt a little bit. It hurts, but and if, if, thanks for having me on. It hurts, but I'm not getting emotional. That's the worst thing you can do at a time like this. Um, I go back and I look at what what the facts are. And yeah, uh, Google had had a very good quarter, but I think it was up more because of the split. To be honest, it wasn't a perfect quarter. It was good. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I have said that I made money in Google and I took a profit and I put it into Facebook and Meta. And obviously, that was not the right timing. But I don't think this company is is down and out. It's down but I don't think it's out. Now, let's just talk about the quarter for half of a second. 
because there were some good things in the quarter that no one's really talking about. The fourth quarter, total revenue up 20% year-over-year, ad revenues up 21%. Yes, they had some slight misses in DAUs, daily active users, monthly active users, but they were almost in line. They were pretty darn close. Uh, the, the big surprise, the dis- oh, by the way, they had a stronger ARPU as well. Uh, the disappointment was operating income, a 5% miss, a shock, right? Uh, that's obviously negative. And then, of course, the guide. Uh, was also negative, the 3 to 11% total revenues for 1Q versus 15% expectations. Should the stock be down on that? Absolutely it should be down. Should it be down 24%? No. It should be down about 8 to 10%, in my opinion. We know the reasons why a lot of companies are going through the, the, these iOS changes and getting impacted. There is inflation. There is competition, especially TikTok. I think that Zuckerberg mentioned TikTok six times on the conference call yesterday. So they're going after TikTok, and, they're, and they have a, an answer, and that's an important part. They are doing, they're already seeing a mix shift to reels, and they are going to focus on growing that and improving engagement. Oh, by the way, on the positive side on guidance, they did lower expenses and, and CapEx is in line. And both of those two items are important because they're very volatile. So company understands what they have to do. On the call, they talked about seven different investment priorities. Reels growth is the number one, and they have pivoted before in the past. We saw it with mobile feed. We saw it with stories. It took six to nine months for them to monetize stories. I expect the same here uh, with Reels, but I think they'll get it. And in the meantime, if we step back, they've got 10 million plus advertisers. The return on investment in digital advertising is still strong. And Facebook has workarounds with regards to iOS changes. It's going to take time, but they've got workarounds. And as I mentioned, DAUs were 1.93 billion in the past quarter and monthly active users were 2.9 billion. And those are real numbers, Dom. Lastly, um, Jenny touched on it, free cash flow. 38 billion in 2021. In the fourth quarter, cash flow came in 13% better than expected. Trades at seven times EBITDA. It's not going to go right back up. Obviously, it's a show me story, but I think give it a quarter or two, and I think the stock can work from here. Hey, Steph, just before we let you go here, are you adding to, uh, to the position given the pullback today? I will add in a couple of days. I want the volatility to settle down, but I will absolutely add I'm a long-term investor and I'm still a believer. All right. Stephanie Link making her case there. Stephanie, uh, again, with the Facebook slash MetaTrade, we appreciate you you calling in. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Now, let's go to John Ejerian. John, we got the mea culpa in a little ways from Stephanie, but she still believes in the thesis here. We're going to give you a victory lap here. You sold Meta Platform slash Facebook pretty much last fall, as I recall. What exactly made you do it then? Refresh our memory. And is there anything compelling about the valuation now, given a quarter of its value has been wiped out? Well, thank you, Dom. Um, yeah, the, uh, uh, the Francis Hagen or Haugen uh, testimony and, you know, the, the kerfuffle around that was why I sold. Uh, in fact, you guys went to me live as I was leaving our trading event in Las Vegas and said, yeah, I sold all of my stock in Facebook. It was at that time my second largest position at 340 ish dollars a share. Now it's $100 cheaper. That's almost $300 billion in market cap wiped out since then, Dom. Um, what I'm looking at here, Dom, is that, uh, yes, user growth slowed. We all know there's a bunch of bots and a bunch of fake stuff. They admit that pretty freely. Uh, They just don't define exactly how much of it is on there. We're about to hear the same thing from Snap tonight and Twitter uh, next week. But what what really uh, Josh said, and he's correct, 
that, you know, it's the dealing with the iOS privacy issues. Certainly it's that. It's the fact that they, you know, whatever you wanted to put as far as valuation um, on the coin that they were going to launch, that's gone. They've sold those intellectual rights to Silvergate, I believe, Dom. And the metaverse is just sucking money out of them. You know, many of us are making money in the metaverse, certainly not Facebook-sized money, but making money with NFTs and so forth. But Facebook clearly um, is just trying to spend their way into this, much the way Microsoft does when they're late to a game. Um, everybody loves using the, this catchphrase, metaverse, now. Um, so they've got that going for them, Dom. But this is a company that people buy because of the revenue, because of the ad spend. And ads are still growing, yep. But they're probably growing high single digits, Dom, not double digits anymore. And quite obviously, by this quarter's results, Google has really cut into what Facebook uh, expected to put onto their bottom line. So the toxic side of Facebook has caught up to it because of that whistleblower testimony, because of the loss of sure. that coin and so forth, and the fact that they haven't figured out a way to make money in the metaverse yet, Dom. That will be years, as you heard Stephanie accurately call, right. as well as Jenny. That's years into the future. Okay, but John, but John, okay, so, so let, let's talk about... I will about, point let, out let, one... Uh, yes, okay. go ahead. I, I'll point out one last thing, Dom. The volatility... Um, Stephanie said she's waiting for it to die down. It is, believe it or not, dying down already. This morning, um, out of the money puts and out of the money calls, it opened, let, let's say, 244 or so. Uh, so the 240 puts and the 250 calls both opened at that near the highs of the day. They have been shrinking since, um, which implies pretty strongly that the volatility has been compressing. Sure. There was a fear factor that drove people into each of these, and now that's dissipating. I agree with Stephanie, though. I won't be touching this one, Dom, until tomorrow or the next day at the earliest. Okay, so, Josh, I, I, one of the things, you know, John just brings up, he, he brought up Microsoft. He, he brought up Alphabet, the parent company of Google. And, and at one point in their kind of large cap life, before they became the mega companies that they are now, each of those companies w was perhaps associated with a product one that drove the vast majority of their business. It was internet search at one point for Alphabet, and for Microsoft, it was the Windows operating system and Microsoft Office. Both of those companies have now diversified. What's to say then that Facebook, which has a fairly focused business model, cannot do the same thing that Microsoft or Alphabet have done over the course of the last 10 years? You ask a really great question, Dom. I, I appreciate you asking that. Um, listen, I, I, don't, I don't pretend that uh, I have anywhere near the understanding of the technology landscape that Mark Zuckerberg has. Yes, I'm sitting in front of a bookshelf with many leather-bound books, um, but realistically, he has done something extraordinary. And by the way, one of the superlatives uh, that they reported that's not getting enough attention Last year was their first year of $100 billion in revenue as a company, like all four quarters. It's a, it's a remarkable business. So nobody could take that away from him. But they, in my view, they made a, classical, uh, a classic strategic error in changing the name of the company to a thing that is not even in existence yet and will not make them money and, in fact, will cost them tons of money 
for like a decade. You know how long that is to ask people to wait for this company to actualize into this new incarnation? Now, Je- Jenny's probably, I can't see, but Jenny's probably snickering and she's going to say, oh, it's just a name. It's not the fundamentals. Who cares? Right. Everybody cares. No, in Silicon I actually Valley. totally agree so here. Imagine, <laughs> hold, on, hold, hold on. Imagine, imagine I go, we're, we're Ritholtz Wealth Management, but we're changing the name to Hot Dog, and we're also going to sell hot dogs. But then I tell you in my next breath, we're never going to make any money selling hot dogs, by the way. Um, and we have no idea how much it's going to cost us to get into that business. Who would do that? It's insanity. So when you see somebody do that, and then they can't back it up, as an investor, you're sitting here and saying, okay, I get it. It's advertising. Um, they have a billion users. Of it's course. Ba- I, I understand all of that. But that's not the bet that you have to make if you're buying this company. Now you have to make this bet that he can do this new remarkable feat. Um, and by the way, Alphabet doesn't have to go through this nonsense because they didn't change the name of the company to Waymo and say, now we're all about autonomous vehicles. Of course. They have this category called other bets where they can do moonshots. They're doing quantum computing. They have to, they have to do that in a lab that's negative 50 degrees. Like, they didn't change the name of Google to quantum. So I really feel they made a huge error in doing that, and now it's an albatross. All and right. if you're a shareholder, you have to live with this confusion. All right, so, let, so, so, so there, is, there is a question about runway, so let's bring in another voice into the conversation, Mr. Wonderful himself, Kevin O'Leary. Now, Kevin, you're actually doing what today, given a 25% pullback? Are you buying more meta? And as a follow-up question, Kevin, Josh brought up the runway and what investors will give Mark Zuckerberg and meta platforms. I seem to recall that investors at one point gave Amazon a lot of runway to kind of get to profitability. What's to say that they won't do it with Meta, or is it different this time around because it's a different, complete business, Kevin? No, it's not different this time around. This is the third time the company's missed its quarter in almost a a decade of being public. It was punished brutally on the other previous two times. Let me talk about this stock for a moment in the context of what is occurring over the next three trading sessions. Number one is that this company is indexed. So the majority of the owners are institutions, pensions, very large countries. It gets a weighting previous to this uh, downdraft, you want to call it that, of five to six percent in the majority of sovereign indices. Who owns Facebook? Sovereign funds, pension plans, universities, all that. Retail investors have some of it, but it's not material. So here's what's going on right now. When you index up to 6%, you basically believe the company's not going to have a lot of volatility. You don't want vol at 5 or 6% of full weighting. Most mandates are 21, 20% max in any sector, 5% max, 6% max in any name. This is a fully indexed name. Now, today, for all of the risks we've been talking about, about this name, all the concerns about the metaverse, whatever else you want to think about, it still remains one of the largest advertising platforms on Earth with billions of users. So not every institution is going to sell it down to zero. But what many will do is take it down in terms of risk. So maybe they want to own three and a half percent. Maybe they want to own two. 
So for the next two or three trading sessions, if you want to buy down and average down, which I'm going to do, and I've done a little bit today, but I know because I get a chance to talk to these sovereign funds all the time, and I was last night when earnings came out, they were even awake in the Middle East. They own so much of Facebook that they were awake at 4 o'clock New York time, and that's very late at night. And it was a major blow up. So you've got to wait till they flush down their positions to that three, three and a half percent, two percent. Majority of them are not going to zero on the name. They're going to they're going to reposition it with the risk inherent. And for those that were at two or three percent, they're going to take advantage of this okay. and buy in into the flushing. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to bring my weighting back up to a max weighting, take advantage of a 24, 25, 26 percent discount. But you don't have to do it all today. There's lots of toilet flushing left on Facebook. All right. So it looks like Kevin O'Leary is buying on the dip. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Getting your thoughts there. Let's also move on now to what's happening with Amazon.com. I mentioned them before because earnings are on deck after the bell today. Degas, Josh, John, you all own it. Let's start with you, Degas. How much is riding on this report? Does Amazon end up more like Alphabet slash Google or does it end up more like Meta slash Facebook? You know, that's a tough one, Dom. I would say that I'm looking at it to meet uh, its uh, EPS is at right around 3.89 estimated. I'm looking at it to meet or maybe slightly miss. And so with that, we then have to look at the thesis around the business model. It's obviously the leading dominant online retailer, but it also has the prime video and music, which is a growth driver. It also has the uh, at home with uh, Alexa, so those are the positives. Now, as we look at the catalyst, it is growing from about 125 million users uh, in 2019 to now over 150 million users in the U.S. Also, it's growing internationally. So these are positive. It's growing internationally, has about 50 million, and it's just acquired a Dubai-based e-commerce company that's going to give us focus in the Middle East. So there's definitely some positive there, but this is going to be a very tough uh, call for the announcement. And so that's what we're looking at, either a meet or slightly miss. All right. So, 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 John, I'll turn to you because, you know, Amazon's been a stock that really hasn't broken out and done anything over the course of the past year or so. Is there anything that you're seeing, options market or otherwise, that would indicate to you that there is going to be a little bit more volatility around this Amazon report and the stock moves that go along with it? Well, Dom, I'd love to tell you yes, but no, um, we haven't had significant speculation on either side, um, which is not that uncommon for this name because it's just quite so expensive. Now, could they pull a Google and decide, you know what, we've got a new CEO, um, we've got people that would like better liquidity. We both know that it doesn't change a thing when you split the stock, except that you create better liquidity because instead of dealing with a $2,900 stock, you could be dealing with something a little more manageable, Dom. Um, so that can be attractive to management and to attracting additional investors, broaden out that base. But we don't have any big upside call spec or downside put spec as of now, Dom. I have sold 2,900 calls against my position. Those have come in nicely uh, over the last few days as the stock has dipped. I think at last I looked, it was down four or five percent today. Um, but those calls have been, you know, obviously that's just vapor if it doesn't go back up over twenty nine hundred between now and Friday. So 
Uh, I'm basically in that position, Dom, long the stock, short the calls, and waiting for a signal, but I don't have one right now. All right, the buy right on Amazon from John over there. Okay, let, let's move on to another name now that's been battered as of late. Josh Brown, let's get your recent moves here. You sold. You sold PayPal. Why even after that particular yep. move lower? Uh, I, I sold the rest of what I owned yesterday. They, the company basically changed the entire focus of what they're telling investors. And when the story changes, you have to ask yourself, do I want any part of uh, what management is talking about they want to do? So this was a company that uh, last year was talking about 750 million global users. Uh, they're about 467 million right now. Um, that was the kind of story that you wanted to be involved with in, in fintech. Um, now they're telling us all the users they, of all the users they added over the last couple of years, uh, they were, really weren't that productive. Um, and so now they want to focus instead on average revenue per user. And that's a very different story. And you saw Wall Street react. And uh, even if they end up being right on that new strategy, and it turns out that focusing on ARPU was a superior idea versus just growing and having unprofitable uh, customers, it would still take multiple quarters for them to prove that that new strategy is even going to work. So I don't think you have a lot of risk in the stock right now where right. it is. Most of that risk has come out of the stock. It's already been cut in half. Um, but I don't really think you have anything to look forward to. And there are just too many opportunities being created by the volatility. Can I get one comment in on Amazon uh, because Please. I'm long the stock? Okay. Um, one quick comment and we got okay. to move on. Fair. I think Amazon's report is going to sound a lot more like Starbucks than any of the other fangs. And the reason why is one out of every 150 Americans works for Amazon. They added 500,000 employees last quarter alone. They have over a million uh, employees, and they are going to be facing all of the labor shortage challenges, all of the associated costs with recruiting, but times a thousand of any other publicly traded company. So I would not go into this report expecting this is going to be one of Amazon's best quarters. I can't imagine how it could be. I think the business is great. I'm a long-term shareholder here, but I don't think that there should be any FOMO going into uh, uh, the earnings tonight. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But okay. uh, that's the way that I'm thinking about what they're about to tell us. All right. So let, let's take that tilt now. We're going to move away from that company stuff that we were talking about to the macro picture. Interest rates are still front and center. So let's bring in senior economics reporter Steve Leisman. Uh, Steve, we got a lot of action on the interest rate front, globally speaking. Bank of England, European Central Bank today, all of those things perhaps driving even our own rate complex here in the U.S. What exactly happened this morning and what exactly is the rate outlook given what we heard from both the European continent and across the pond, or at least in the U.K.? Yeah, Dom, what happened was uh, Christine Lagarde, the ECB bank president, was a little more hawkish, well, maybe quite a bit more hawkish than we expected. Really, what she did is she refused to rule out a rate hike this year. She had said in the previous meeting a rate hike was unlikely. 
Uh, but now she said the situation has changed. And that really points to a recalibration, I believe, uh, in interest rate policy for the ECB. That ricocheted back uh, really on the United States and all over the world. The euro was stronger quite a bit, actually. And then you had the uh, German Bund come up into solidly into positive territory. It was 15 basis points the last I saw. Remember, it spent most of the last several years in negative territory. There it is now at 14 basis points on your screen there. Uh, and of course, U.S. yields were also higher in Fed probabilities ticked up a little bit. So what's going to happen here, I think, is what the way Lagarde laid it out is uh, they were surprised by the January inflation number. They're going to come back in and they're going to reassess policy in March, maybe point to a rate hike this year, perhaps. And what that did for the U.S. is it uh, causes the U.S. rates to have to rise a little bit to, to meet with that and also maybe gets rid of some of the uh, inflation fighting uh, benefit we got from a stronger dollar. So it's definitely playing with the macro picture, not overwhelming this big meta, meta story that you guys are talking all about, but just adding to some of the weakness. All right. Uh, another perhaps headwind for the overall market right now, especially on the growth side. Steve Leisman, thank you very much for that. Well, we've got another committee member making moves in their portfolio. Jim Labenthal joins us coming up next with that particular trade. Maybe a semiconductor stock in question. Halftime is back after this two minute break. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that the International Olympic Committee is turning a blind eye to China's human rights violations. She made the comments at a congressional hearing the day before the opening of the Beijing Olympics. Pelosi is also warning Olympic athletes not to risk angering the, quote, ruthless Chinese government. The former Chicago police officer who killed Laquan McDonald has been released from prison. Jason Van Dyke served less than half of his nearly seven-year sentence for murdering McDonald, who was shot 16 times. The early release is widely viewed as a setback in the city's efforts to improve relations between its police department and its black community. And from Texas to Tennessee, over 150,000 utility customers are still without power. Ice and freezing rain now becoming a bigger concern than heavy snow. At Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, there were no flights for hours, but the first runway, runway apparently just reopened. And on the news tonight, Texas and the Midwest begin to clean up, and the Northeast is ready for more storms. That's tonight. 
at 7 Eastern. Dom? We just can't catch a break, Rahel. Spring is apparently right around the corner. That's what they say, Dom. Six weeks of winter, says Punxsutawney Phil, right? So we'll watch for that. He only has a 40% accuracy rate. (laughs) All right, Rahel (laughs) Solomon, thank you very much for the news update. Let's talk a little bit about Qualcomm posting record quarterly EPS and revenues, yet the stock is down. You can see they're almost 3% on broader market sentiment as well. Let's bring in another committee member, Jim Labenthal, who joins us right now, because, Jim, you are one of those folks who traffics owns Qualcomm. Take us through what you're thinking right now, given the earnings reaction. Well, first off, the earnings itself uh, were fabulous. And on the call, management was strongly leaning into that they're going to exceed their expectations from the November analyst day. So what you're seeing today in terms of the response to that, it may be that the stock ran up mightily this week into the numbers. It may be a response, a sympathy response to Metaburger's miss. Um, I really don't know, but I can tell you it's a gift. Um, This is a stock that should grow earnings at 20%, probably 25% year over year this year. And the overhang on the stock has been Apple and their concentrated business with Apple. That's why the stock has a 15 multiple. But here's the deal. Apple didn't come up, I don't think even once on the call yesterday. Android came up a lot. And Android revenues are growing 60%. And outside of handsets, Internet of Things is growing 40%. The point being is they are actively and successfully diversifying their business, which should merit them a 20 times multiple based on that diversification and the growth rate. 20 times next year's earnings, actually, I'm seeing price targets 240 to 250. I think those are reasonable, but I'm going to give you a six-month price target of $230 a share. And the only reason I'm coming in below where most of the analysts are coalescing is because that's 30% in six months. And I just want to, you know, I want to control my breathlessness, if you will. But I got to tell you, once in a while, you hear an earnings call that just knocks the cover off the ball and puts the cover and the ball out of the park. And that's what Qualcomm did last night. Gee, Jim, it sounds like you're bullish on Qualcomm, given your comments and the price target that you just assigned for six months. So let's take us through where the rubber meets the road. Are you using any kind of weakness today to buy more of Qualcomm or are you kind of holding pat for now? I'm absolutely adding. And I don't know that today is the single day to do it. It's probably today and tomorrow. But for those clients who don't already have a significant overweight to the position, I'm adding to it. This is absolutely a buy. I mean, I I can't qualify it as anything other than a gift. And sometimes the market is inefficient and does the wrong thing. That's why guys like me are in business and we love a day like today. All right, Jim Labenthal making the case for Qualcomm. Thanks very much. We'll see you soon, Jim. Good to see you, Dom. And by the way, don't miss tonight on Mad Money, Cristiano Amon, the Qualcomm CEO, in a CNBC exclusive with our own Jim Cramer. That's 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight on Mad Money. Well, Ford is surging over 80% in the last year, but lower today ahead of its earnings report after the closing bell. We will debate if the stock is still one that has room to run next on the halftime. Keep it right here. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. 
With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to The Half. Ford shares are pulling back ahead of its big earnings report after today's closing bell. Our autos reporter extraordinaire, Phil LeBeau, joins us with a preview of what to expect with Ford. Phil. Dom, a lot like General Motors earlier this week, it's not really the Q4 numbers that people will be focused on. When you take a look at shares of Ford, they're expected to report a profit of 45 cents a share in the fourth quarter. Unless there's something wildly off with that number, the focus will be on what the company says about its plans for investment and growth in electric vehicles in three areas in particular. One, will they announce an increased investment? Remember, there was this story that came out just a couple of days ago hinting that Ford is considering 10 to $20 billion increased investment. Do they announce that? Do they make some kind of reference to increasing investment? What's the production ramp looking like this year? Remember, this is the year when Ford really has to ramp up production, and that includes the F-150 Lightning. What's the demand that's out there? Remember, they suspended reservations for the Lightning in December. Why? They have so many that they wouldn't be able to fill them for at least a couple of years. It gets to a point where it becomes absurd to take any more reservations. Remember, delivery start in the second quarter. We'll probably get an update on where things stand in terms of the cadence. Are they still on schedule for that? And remember, it's all about electric vehicles. We've talked about this at length, Dom. When you look at the growth, the projected growth in EVs, Here in the U.S., they're expected to top 2 million annually by 2025. The next three years, these are the big years in terms of that growth. And Ford, front and center in that growth. We'll get the numbers shortly after the close of business. All right, back to you. Phil LeBeau, it's all about that and, of course, the big gorilla right on the on the block there, which is Tesla uh, overall. So thank you very much for that. John Najarian, I'm going to turn to you because you actually own call options on Ford. Why Ford? Why not Tesla? Or is it a combo of both? Take us through the trade. Yeah, I I do own both, Dom, and I love Tesla and still don't know why Elon Musk wasn't invited to meet with the president. But as far as this trade, um, I like Ford. I like Sunrun, this solar, uh, yeah, uh, solar uh, uh, integration for their trucks and things like that. I think that's going to be a great partnership. Um, Right now, Dom, I own the March calls at the 20 strike, and I've sold, stacked various others, 22s all the way up to the 2550 calls against it. That's my target, basically, is about $24, $25 by March, Dom, third week in March. I think this is just one of the first steps on the way to that. All right, using the call options to play the Ford trade for the after the bell earnings report. Thank you very much for that. Bristol Myers and Regeneron are set to report their earnings as well. We will trade that biotech biopharma complex coming up next. 
Welcome back to the Halftime Report. Bristol Myers and Regeneron both set to report earnings tomorrow. Jenny, you own both of these names. Take us through what you're expecting. Okay, so maybe a month ago or something, one of my clients said, is there a theme to how you're investing right now? And I kind of laughed and thought about it and said, yeah, I think I'm hiding out. And I think these are wonderful places to hide out. You have no risk. Okay, I shouldn't say no risk because I'm on TV, but you know what I mean. You have extraordinarily low risk of either of these turning into a Netflix, a Facebook, a PayPal, any of that. These are companies with huge free cash flow. Bristol Myers will generate $20 billion in free cash flow, Regeneron almost $9 billion. They trade at eight times earnings for Bristol Myers, 13 times earnings for Regeneron. So if you want to get kind of value investing nerdy, you could say they have very deep moats of safety, high margins, sorry, deep moats of safety, high margins of, um, for error. You've got a very safe setup here. And so what you've got with Bristol Myers being more specific is you've got an eight times multiple, three and a half percent dividend yield. Earnings should grow in the five and a half percent range. They've got a great pipeline of drugs coming on and they're going to be buying back shares. Regeneron, you've got them moving away from their COVID anti, um, from their COVID products, but they're moving into antibodies for cancer. They've got a very deep and broad pipeline. I think it's where you want to hide out. I think you can make some nice money, but they won't be moonshots. They should keep you safer than the broader market. All right. Thanks for the trade there, Jenny. Stick with us here because John Ajarian is tracking unusual options activity. UOA in the market right now. His latest trades are on halftime coming up next. All right, time now for unusual options activity. John Najarian, what is the options market showing you? Well, Dom, I've got two uh, stocks. They're both out in March, the options on these stocks. The first one's Costco. It's a $520 stock. They're buying the 525 calls that expire, again, almost two full months out in March at that 525 strike. Second trade, Dom, um, is Shell, S-H-E-L, also a March trade. They're buying 10,000 of the March double nickel, 55 calls with the stock at 53 cents. So a little over $2 to the upside for this one. Like them both. Um, my intention is, of course, as always, to sell an upside call against the ones that I bought. Quick update, Dom. Sirius Satellite, S-I-R-I. Talked about it recently. It's up about 20 cents since then. It's a June trade, though. I'm not taking anything off. But what I will do, since these are way out there in June, is start selling upside calls as we pass through that seven strike, because that's the strike they were buying when we identified unusual, Dom. All right, the serious trade there. And by the way, if you're listening, it's channel 112 on Sirius XM Radio. That's where CNBC resides. All right, thanks very much for those unusual options trades. Final trades for halftime are coming up next. Keep it right here. If you missed it or just want to watch it again, check out Jenny Harrington's recent CNBC Pro Talk with CNBC's senior markets commentator, Michael Santoli. They talk dividend strategies for a rising rate environment and more. You can find the video at CNBC.com pro for those subscribers. Well, shares of Snap are plunging over 20 percent right now. It's also set to report results after the closing bell today. John, you own or did own calls. Take us through what happened. Well, um, Dom, I'm going to hold into the earnings tomorrow, thinking that it uh, shouldn't be any worse than the lambasting that it got today. But I note for you that they're buying calls further out into the future, Dom. They're buying calls uh, to the end of this year and even into next year um, at about the 25 or 26 strike. So 
Um, people think it's a long-term buy. Uh, that's why I'm willing to hold it here down. All right, and really quickly, while we have you here, your final trade, John. Final trade, PAC, P-A-C-K. They make things that go into boxes to keep things from breaking. $2 billion company. All right, Jenny Harrington. Abvi, 4% dividend yield, 10 times earnings, 10% earnings growth ahead. Degas. Texas Instrument, growing demand for chips in cars and Internet of Everything. All right, and Josh Brown. Carlisle Group just reported uh, great earnings, uh, distributable profit quadrupled versus this time last year. I like it. All right. Thanks for those final trades. That does it for the halftime report. Markets are right now near session lows, and we'll hand it off to the exchange with Kelly Evan. It begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.